Solution Area is out with its fourth annual Global Threat Intelligence Report. What are this year's findings and what are some of the surprises? Hi, I'm Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. I'm talking about the report today with Rob Krauss. He's the Director of Security Research and Strategy with Solutionary's Security Engineering Research Team. Rob, thanks so much for joining me today. Good morning and thank you. So, Rob, this is the fourth annual report and they're all special, but what's unique about this one? As our report has matured over the years, you know, we're always looking to make it better, a little bit better every year. Um, this year we kind of pulled out some of the stoppers and, and included some new different types of data within the report. But probably most importantly, we've included some of our trusted um, security partners in the report. So this is the first year outside of Solutionary and NTT Group that we've actually included third-party security partnerships that we have. And this year, we're happy to say that those partners include Lockheed Martin, Recorded Future, WAPAC Labs, and the Center for Internet Security. A lot of great uh, collaboration throughout the creation of the report this year. Uh, very smart folks that were working with those uh, within those organizations, and, and we feel that that kind of uh, elevated our report to another level this year. Rob, among your partners is Lockheed Martin, and that gives you a unique tie to the Lockheed Martin kill chain. Can you talk about that, please? So this year, actually, a core part of the report where we talk about uh, a lot of the statistics that we've seen throughout the year. We talk about the, the the threats, the actual attacks. We talk about many different things, as in previous reports. But this year, some of the focus of the report is actually um, utilizing the concepts of the Lockheed Martin cyber kill chain to help organizations prepare a more direct, a more useful roadmap for handling threats as they see them. You have different opportunities throughout the attackers as the attacker steps through the, the seven different steps of the kill chain to disrupt those attackers. And our, our joint work with uh, Lockheed Martin this year on uh, creating a, a pretty comprehensive case study uh, for this report was actually uh, focusing very much on that. So in this year's report, what's a little bit different that you'll see is instead of having four or five individual case studies, we really just have one case study, but in seven small parts that map to each phase of the kill chain. And uh, within each of those parts, we give specific recommendations on how to address threats and how to uh, disrupt attackers as they progress through the kill chain. Rob, let's dive down into some of the findings in this year's report. Tell me about what you learned in terms of what are the, the statistics that jump out at you. Some of the things that's kind of stepped up to, to the plate here as far as the attack was, looking at the different attacks that we had noticed through the analysis of, of some of the data we went through, some of the interesting things is there's a little bit more focus on retail, specifically that approximately 22% of all of our incident response engagements were towards retail. And additionally, with uh, retail, uh, focusing on our retail clients, that when you distill the numbers, you know, everybody talks and thinks about finance, right? Everybody's attacking finance, so on and so forth, right? But when you looked at the actual numbers this year, we had, uh, you know, done some really deep digging uh, research-wise and actually found that although volumes for finance-type attacks were quite large, when you normalized the data that the retail clients were actually attacked approximately 2.7 times as much as finance clients. 
uh, which was pretty interesting. We took a little bit different look at the volume of attacks against the different sectors, and, and uh, that was a pretty interesting finding. Another key finding that we found that was very interesting was that PCI clients, those organizations who are influenced by PCI compliance requirements, uh, we actually saw approximately 57% less command and control type traffic that you would normally see with uh, with the bad guys controlling, you know, compromised systems that they've taken over and what have you. We actually saw significantly less with those clients who were working with uh, within the PCI framework. Um, so that doesn't necessarily say that PCI is is you know is driving security and, and makes you more secure, but it, it certainly does appear it's helping in some ways. Rob, aside from the the dominance of retail among breached entities here, do you find any surprises in this year's findings? Yeah, I, I think the biggest surprises probably are that 2.7 times the attacks within retail. Uh, we also see. You know, in reference to the source, the origin of attacks, that this year the U.S. again has kind of stepped up a little bit as far as the source of attacks. Now, we've been trending this for quite some time, and this year we were surprised to see that trend was still climbing up to 65%. We thought it would probably normalize somewhere between 49 and 56%, but we actually still saw an increase. Probably one of the other interesting things about source of attacks uh, the, the three sources that have really accounted for 38% of all attacks outside of the U.S. were the United Kingdom, Turkey, and China, uh, making up 38% of all the non-U.S.-based attacks. And uh, on top of that, the remaining 62% were sourced from 199 other countries. Rob, coming back to the topic of incident response, one of the the stats that jumped out to me was that you're saying that only 23% of your surveyed organizations feel like they have appropriate capabilities to respond to cybersecurity incidents. Uh, that sort of spurs the question for me, how bad is the state of incident response? We optimistically look at this every year and hope that when we when we go through and produce the report that things look a lot better. Um, we're hoping that we're bringing, you know, highlighting some of the issues uh, that we see with incident response, but you know, I think you put it well, right? We're trending it more towards the edge of. There's a very small amount of organizations who are actively trying to mature their incident response programs, and this is from organizations just outright saying we're not prepared. But it's also from our observations. We we have the opportunity to participate in many incident response engagements for our clients, uh, both in the U.S. and abroad. And we're finding that organizations just, I hate to trivialize it here, but it, it's almost like, you know, they're using the phone a friend option whenever they see an attack. They don't have the security budget, but a lot of it's related to expertise. And it's not because there's a lack of expertise that's out there. It's more because it's the budget. Incident responders are, are not a cheap resource. It also costs money to invest in the different software required to do that effectively. So, when an organization goes to invest in a proper incident response program, it, it, it's a significant investment. It's not a cheap hardware purchase that you can slap in and, and have yearly licensing and maintenance on. It, 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 there, there's a lot more money that goes into it, and we think that's, that's a lot that, that has to do with that. Rob, as you talk with security leaders anecdotally, they talk a lot about business email compromise, targeted attacks, ransomware. What do you find to be the most prevalent types of attacks? 
we see a lot of the same attacks over and over again, right? We see a lot of the attacks that are targeting specific vulnerabilities throughout the year. Uh, you know, we constantly see your SSH brute forcing attacks. We, we're still seeing a lot of uh, directory service types of attacks, web attacks, attacks against HTTP, uh, SQL injection. Those types of attacks are still very, very prevalent. What we've been seeing a lot at the end of last year and the beginning of, of this year, though, are the, are the extortion types of attacks as well. Different uh, malicious organizations out there sending out uh, ransom or extortion emails saying, you know, please pay us uh, so many Bitcoin or we're going to DDoS your organization. We're seeing a lot of those. Last year, they were a little bit more successful than they are now with some of the arrests that happened towards the end of, uh, of 2015, but we're still seeing quite a bit of uh, those types of attacks. So one of the things we, we definitely recommend, you know, we talk a lot about DDoS in the report, and we talk a little bit about some of those malicious organizations targeting businesses, you know, to make sure that you're, you're keeping those things in kind of, uh, you know, the, the forefront of your mind whenever you're thinking about incident response, right? What do we do in this situation when we receive Extortion notice saying we're going to DDoS your site unless you pay us, you know, uh, so many Bitcoin. So the attacks come in all shapes and forms, and every time there's a new technology, new protocol, new software, you know, new type of solution, they're just a field to manifest new types of attacks as well. So it's it's tricky keeping up with everything. Rob, you can't go to a security conference these days without somebody standing up and talking about that it takes 100 days, 200 days, 250 days for organizations to be able to detect infiltrators in their systems. Based on your survey findings, are we getting any better at detecting the attackers once they've infiltrated? You know, I'd like to think optimistically that we are. Looking at, I think, a a year or two years ago, we we had mentioned – you know, it was taking upwards of around 200 days, 240 days or so for organizations to get out there and actually detect malicious activity within their network, right? And some we see this a lot from the incident response engagements, right? Typically, when we are responding to an incident for a client, unless it's something that's point in time like a DDoS and it's, you know, no kidding, we're here, you know, you can observe it happening very quickly, that most of the time, a lot of these attackers are getting in. They're crawling around for a couple of days, a couple of weeks, a couple of months, uh, and then they eventually get caught at some point. Whether it was a detection technology, or uh, in many cases, it's an employee that just happens to be on their toes and says, "Hey, you know, something doesn't look right here." But in many many ways, it, it does. It takes that long to identify some of these attackers, and you know that's when we need to really take a look back and say. You know, are we getting better at this stuff? Uh, I think we are. I think we're the awareness at the security conferences talking about, you know, uh, identifying the attackers quicker and shutting them down quicker will directly relate to how much you can mitigate loss-wise for your organization, right? So I think people and organizations are starting to get it in the mindset that, you know, if we have the detection capabilities uh, in place, if we have the mitigating controls in place, we can we can slow down the attacker, prevent the attacker from getting in. So, uh, but it does, you know, there is a learning curve there. It takes a little a little bit time socially to get your security team all on the same sheet of music and and, and embrace that type of approach. And it's not just the security folks, but also 
the C-level executives who need the support and fund that type of um, capability as well. So if you take a step back, really, the, the conversation is about business resiliency. How prepared are you to stand up and, and step up against an attack? When you look at detection, response, the capabilities, all the information you've received in this report, what do you find to be the biggest inhibitors to business resiliency? You know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. As a matter of fact, that's actually kind of the theme of our report this year is an effective approach to res- resiliency and survivability. To put things in, in, in perspective, when malware authors are out there creating their malware to go out and do its mission, the first mission of the malware is to do what? It's to survive. It's to make it to its its intended target and then to execute its payload and, and complete its mission. Organizations need to think the same way, and I don't think a lot of organizations are. Now, I don't want to say that's a blanket statement. There are a lot of organizations out there today who are um, investing in security, and they see the news headings and the articles out there about the next large organization being compromised. So I think the biggest inhibitors are, though, is that, they're, they're, like I mentioned earlier, there's a significant learning curve with understanding what security means, right? And, yes, you have to go through the, the steps, right? There's a risk, uh, risk analysis and a risk assessment methodologies that are out there for, for a reason, you look at what your greatest loss potential is, you identify what those greater greatest loss potentials are, and you invest in mitigating controls to uh, protect your organization from experience those large losses, or at least to, to reduce the size of those losses. The one thing we have to remember is that we can't stop the attacker per se. We can stop their activities. We can stop their malicious attacks from being 100% effective, but you can't actually stop the actions of the attacker themselves. If they want to continuously try to perform a DDoS attack against your organization, short of somebody going in and arresting them, you're really not going to stop them. So you have to realize that a determined attacker is not going to stop their attack. So you have to invest into uh, the mitigating controls to, to reduce the impact. And probably, you know, related to the biggest inhibitors uh, for business resiliency is to really get that in your head, right? It's not just like we're rolling the dice and somebody, you know, you have a chance of somebody attacking you. You're going to have somebody attack you. So I think a lot of it is socially, how, how do these attackers think? Why are they attacking my organization? What controls can I put in place to defend my organization? Can I get the buy-in from my executive leadership, my board of directors, you know, to support an effective security program? We're starting to see a change where organizations are doing that uh, and being um, being effective with that. But the guidance that I always have when speaking with clients is not to take resiliency and security from an annual you know budget perspective. We see far too many organizations who who say this is what we need to do. We need to implement these five devices and we need to do that next year. Let's go out and, you know, put that in our budget and hopefully the budget will get approved and, and we'll implement those devices. What we actually recommend is taking and looking at your security strategy from a three- to five-year plan. And don't make that plan a secret. Sit down with your executive leadership. Sit down with your CFO and take the things that you wish to accomplish and show them in dollars and cents if we implement these controls over the next three to five years, this is how much money our organization is going to save 
as opposed to it being the mindset that we have to spend more money on budget year to year to protect ourselves. Well, Rob, I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you for talking to me about the report. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate it. The topic has been Solutionary's fourth annual Global Threat Intelligence Report. I've been speaking with Rob Krause. He's Director of Security Research and Strategy with Solutionary's Security Engineering Research Team. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.